The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash Bill Risser. But if you're still asking for statistics, if you're still asking about ROI and anything else on social media, you've lost. You've absolutely lost. I'm sorry, but the war, the battle has been fought. Everything else lost. Social media won, whether you hate it or like it. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things about social media that I can't stand. But guess what? I don't care. I'm in a business to, to grab attention and try to get business from these people. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 113 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I get to go back to my home state of California. I'm very excited. But before I get there, I just want to thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for telling a friend. And thank you so much for the reviews or ratings you leave at iTunes. They help a lot, and they help more people find us in our little corner of the internet here. Uh, but back to California, I'm, I'm really excited today to have Jason Frazier. Jason is the Chief Information Officer and Chief Strategy Officer for Mason McDuffie Mortgage. They're up in the East Bay area out of San Ramon, California. I've really followed Jason for quite a while, uh, mostly via social. Um, we, uh, Jason, have we really had a conversation yet live, or is this our first one? I, I want to say this is our first one, Bill. Yeah, I love it. So this is social the way it's supposed to work, right? I've, I feel like I know him. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of the same. Uh, Jason's done some really great things lately. He is not just last year, but this year, one of the 50 most connected mortgage professionals. Uh, Housing Wire has also recognized him for as a rising star. He's really doing some great things with social media, um, just internet marketing, just that whole digital strategy stuff. So we're super excited to have him. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Bill, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It'll be a lot of fun. I get to find out a lot about people uh, when, when they're guests, and I love looking into people's backgrounds. Uh, I know you're in San Ramon, which the way I look at it is yep. it's kind of just around a little mountain range from Oakland. Does that make sense? Am I kind of accurate yep. there? Okay. Yeah. No, that, that, and, it, and that makes sense since you're, since you're from here, so you understand it. But it's, it's hard to explain to other people, but yes, that's exactly how it is. Yeah, and by, by mountain range, I mean a hill, but, you know, for, for Californians, yeah, it's yeah. – Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we um, don't really have mountains. <laughs> yeah, and so you're a California native, right? I am. Yeah, and that's rare. Born and raised. Part. Yeah, so I think that's uh, <laughs> yeah. – for me, I, I was a California native for 39 years, and then we, we moved to Phoenix, and I became one of those imports, you know, that we always laughed at. Yep. So I, you know, yep, I, no, definitely. <laughs> I know both sides of the coin now. Let me, let me, I got to yeah. just take a wild guess, you know, with their huge success, you got to be a Warriors fan, right? You're right, right, right near them. Uh, I, you know, when you said that I actually started to get the jitters because I, I'm actually not a fan of the Warriors. I actually dislike them very much. Wow. And, and the reason why I know it's crazy. And especially now that they're, I mean, it has nothing to do with the Warriors really when it comes to like today's Warriors, but I was a huge basketball fan uh, growing up. Uh, that was my number one sport, and um, I, I was a big Mitch Richmond fan. And when they traded him to, to the Sacramento Kings, I, I hated the Warriors from then and have never stopped 
popped. So I became a Sacramento Kings fan uh, just to follow uh, to follow my my, my man Rit, uh, Mitch there. So uh, I am actually not a Warriors fan. Wow. So there, what do you do then, like in June when everybody's going crazy up there? <laughs> just watch something. I, I just I just cover my ears. Yeah, I cover. Well, I just focus on baseball. You know, there I you just go. focus on my Giants and then <laughs> just be happy with that. There you go. There you go. Well, look, we're going to find out, you know, through the course of this next 30 minutes or so, just how much you've been doing. But I want to guess, like, as a young man, I'm just going to guess young Jason, uh, high school, junior high, that age, you had to be heavy into computers, software, that kind of thing. Am I kind of on the right track? Uh, you actually couldn't be farther from a truth. And it's, it's just wow. going to back that up from the, the warrior, the warrior's question, too. And it's good. Hey, don't worry. It's it, it's not your fault. Everyone assumes that. But I actually played sports. Uh, I was a varsity letterman in high school. I played basketball. I played soccer. Um, I uh, I did not. Uh, I, I used to make fun of people like me. Um, I, I, I am. I you know. I did like Star Trek. I did like science fiction growing up. We did have a computer in the house, <laughs> but I was an idiot. I had no idea what to do on a computer, um, and I didn't really get into that until college. But um, but yeah, I, I I played sports. I and watched movies and stuff. I did not. Uh, I did not get into computers or software at all. Wow, that is I would never have guessed that you're right. And I'm sure others have said that. So I you know, I'm not I'm hoping oh, yeah, not, no, it's, hoping it's not being offensive. <laughs> it could. No, not not at all. Everyone always assumes that. But it's it's just natural, right? Because yeah. generally that's you know, when you're in IT, that's just kinda how it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're so in college, you had to have a career in mind. So yep. what were you thinking of? What you know, what did you want to be and what was your first job out of school? it's kind of funny. So I actually, I always wanted to be in law enforcement. So um, I actually had kind of prepped my course in life to, to, to do that. So I did ride alongs. I was part of the uh, um, Willamette Sheriff's department. Uh, Willamette County is a, is a county in Oregon. And um, that's where I went to school. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to be in the FBI. So at that time, um, when you wanted to be in the FBI and you were going to school, uh, you could get an accounting degree, you could go pre-law, or you can get into computer science. And so what I did was I did computer science and then also did AOJ, which is Administration of Justice, as I, as I was going through it. That, and this was this is 95, right? So this is when Microsoft or Windows 95 is coming out. This is when Microsoft was making millionaires out of everybody. So I was like, okay, this computer science thing, let's, let's you know, see what this is about. And then as I got into it, Lo and behold, no one more surprised than me that I was actually really good at it, and and it, and it was it just came easy to me, and and at the same time I was like, wow, I could get a career not in law enforcement, so um, I could make a little bit more money, but also I wouldn't have to sacrifice so much, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's just try this and see where it goes. So I ended up just focusing on the computer science, and then that ended up getting my first job out of uh, out of college, which was actually selling software at a company that no longer exists, but it was called Egghead Software. Um, so I, 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 that was my first job was selling software. And then I moved up to running their, uh, their, uh, tech department, which, which I just built computers for, for customers and fixed computers for customers. After you come out of that first gig, your, your career is kind of peppered with, you know, kind of, you can see this, this motion along in, in, in the different, um, you know, mm-hmm. IT positions, right? Mostly kind of running IT departments and for a, a bunch of yeah. different industries, right? Yeah, so um, my first real corporate job um, was for Safeco Insurance, and that was their regional headquarters was here. They're based out of Seattle, okay. but the regional headquarters is here uh, or was here in San Ramon, 
And so um, at the time I was living, living in the barrier. Um, and uh, what I did was I lied through my teeth on my resume. Um, I used uh, my stepfather's uh, business consulting company. We had different last names. So I used all this experience, which I had doing at my current job, but for, for getting this job, you know, they wanted someone, I knew I could do the job. So I, 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 I'm not ashamed to say that I lied through my teeth on my resume. I got the interview, I got the job and, um, and that was my first corporate job. And then through there, I met uh, one of the insurance agents that uh, his, his brother was starting a company and needed uh, an IT guy full time. So I, I saw an opportunity to to do that from a consultant level, and then at that time I got a job offer from an uh, from my manager that uh, managed me at the at the software company to work with him at a, a company called uh, Peregrine Systems, and then I stayed there for about six months, and then I got an offer from um, that previous guy to uh, he was starting a construction man- management firm, and this was back when. In early 2000, when everybody in the Bay Area was doing a startup and some sort of internet company, so this was no different. Right. And they said, "Okay, we need a director of IT." And, I, and at that time, um, you know, I was about 23, and so I thought it was a big shot. I'm like, "Oh yeah, director of IT, I'll, I'll, I'll do that." And um, so went there, um, got into some web development. From there, uh, one of our clients, and this is kind of where my career took the the the, the big upward trajectory. One of our clients at the construction firm was Peter Thiel. So for those mm. of you that don't know, Peter Thiel was uh, one of the founders of PayPal, very smart guy. Um, and, and so I, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I got I to gotta do that. I got I to gotta help them out. And at that time, um, Peter had just sold uh, PayPal to eBay. And um, it, was, it was funny because all the PayPal engineers uh, the network guys and the, and their IT guys were supposed to help Peter out with his new company, that was, which was a hedge fund called Clarion Capital. Uh, they uh, they were supposed to do all the work uh, for getting uh, Peter's network up. What I did at the construction firm was basically procure the equipment, um, help as a project manager on the space and, and wiring and stuff like that. Um, but two weeks before they were supposed to go live, Peter's admin uh, basically told me, he's like, yeah, the, the eBay guys are just too busy with the transition, so they're not going to be able to help. Do you think you could help? Uh, I saw it as an opportunity, but I basically had to build out that entire network in two and a half weeks, and usually that's like a two and a half month job. Mm. So um, I, I didn't I didn't sleep. I basically was there every single day from morning till till morning uh, when it came down to it and got everything set up so they could move in and, and, and get ready. I, I had already bought all the equipment. This is stuff that I'd already done in previous jobs. So it wasn't anything that I had to learn, but there were some things that I had never done before, like setting up an exchange server and some other things. And I was able to do it. And, and, it, and, uh, they were impressed by the fact that I was able to do that in two and a half weeks. And so they kept me on as a consultant through that. I started working for Peter's uh, portfolio companies. So before I knew it, as a consultant, I, I had my own book of business of about 14 clients. And so I decided to leave the construction management company to start my own consulting firm, which I called Bay Fusion, and uh, and then did that for a while. Then through one of the portfolio companies of Peter, um, they hired me on as uh, the director of IT. And so I went uh, went there and did that for a while. And then uh, when I when I did that, uh, uh, Clarium, uh, Peter's company. They uh, they hired a, another firm to do what I was doing, and I guess it got so bad with them that they they actually they actually didn't even want them in the building anymore. It was that bad. So 
things were winding down with this startup company that I had moved to. Um, and they said, Hey, you know, we're going to be looking for a full-time person, your name, you know, your first person we thought of. And so went in there, interviewed just to, you know, go through the process. And then I got hired on, um, as uh, the IT manager for, uh, for Peter, um, for Peter's company there. And then that's, again, then I got to work with a lot of smart people, a lot of smart people. Yeah. Um, yes. Too, too many of the name, uh, one being which would, you know, make this more of interest to your, maybe, uh, maybe to your listeners, because uh, one of them was Keith Raboy, who is um, one of the co-founders of Open Door, who has obviously been making waves in uh, the real estate industry with uh, their offering. And so I, I just got to work with a lot of smart, a lot of awesome people. Uh, Sean Parker being another one um, who you guys remember from the Facebook movie. Yep um and uh master so it was just it was just i was just blessed to have that opportunity work with a lot of smart people i was i was doing it but i was i was learning about venture capital technology startups working in them i was just being a sponge and really just seeing how these because these guys are smart people and these guys were from mit these guys are, are chess champions you know playing against computers and stuff like that so like i was just being a sponge um and, and being in awe of how intelligent they were how they thought and really just looking at their thought process and trying to reverse engineer and, and how they actually came to that. Because I, you know, as I told you, I played sports. Like I wasn't like a smart guy, you know, as far, or like the stereotypical smart guy. So I was just trying to figure out how I could be like these guys. So that, that's really what kind of instilled the, the entrepreneur in myself, the contrarian, the thinking different type, and then just hanging around all these guys and and technology and i really just you know like i said being a sponge soaking it all up and and really having that um shape the rest of the rest of my career through this process then you're you're gathering like you said all this stuff that you get to turn around and kind of um implement some of these great ideas yep. at mason mcduffie that that's kind of how that flows about eight yep. years ago right so you know you handle the technology infrastructure and all that good stuff and but you also yep. kind of took the role of cio and threw a little chief marketing officer energy into it, right? Talk about yep. that and how you, yep. what you kind of created there. Yeah. So, um, so in 2009, uh, at the beginning, um, I was, I was just, I was just beat. I was just beat. I was tired. I was just, it, it was, it was, a, it was hard work. It was a grind. I wouldn't change it for the world, but it was a grind. So I took a sabbatical and I didn't need to work for a while. And Mason McDuffie Mortgage is actually a family business. I had, I'd grown, I'd grown up in the mortgage industry, never worked in it. Uh, my mom was one of the first women presidents of a mortgage company in the United States uh, uh, through Mason McDuffie, which was founded in 1887. So the partners came back in 2005 to start the company again. And then I helped them in, you know, back then, but she said, Hey, you know, we're trying to do something different. We knew, you know, um, her and Herb Tasker, who's the, you know, the owner and chairman of the company. Um, you know, they talked to me and they said, Hey, we're trying to do something different in mortgage company. We're trying to, you know, set ourselves apart from what everyone else is doing with your background. What do you think about coming to, you know, work with us and doing that here? So I'm like, let's just start off as a consultant, you know, again, working with family and never done it before, even though I was excited at the opportunity. Um, obviously I love my mom. Right. So, so I wanted, good to, answer. Good I answer. wanted to do that. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. I hope she's, hope she's listening. You know, I started as a consultant. I did an audit of their technology and everything else and to say said hey this is where i see you know me being able to be additive and then we could try some other stuff and so you know at the end of 2009 came on full-time as their director of it 
prior to that at Clarium, I had, I had worked my way up from IT manager all the way to uh, senior vice president of technology and security. And then as, as that was happening, and this is 2009, I started seeing, you know, the power of social media. And I started getting more into marketing and looking at what other companies were doing. Um, but but I, but the thing is, when I was looking at other companies, I wasn't looking at other mortgage companies. I wasn't looking at other real estate companies. I was looking at what companies were doing in the world that I just came from, which was all technology startup and venture capitalists. Uh, so looking at that, I, I was I, I was noticing in in basement, or in the mortgage space is one is it's very low tech. Um, you know, at, at that time, I mean, it's it's gotten lease and bounce better. You know, here we are. You know, eight years later, but but at that time, very low tech. The marketing sucked. Uh, no, there was no social media for any mortgage company. Um, so I saw an opportunity to do that here. So I just, you know, I got and learned uh, as much as I could about it. Luckily, the people that I used to work with at Clarium had moved on to like brand social media roles at, at major corporations and and, uh, and advertising and marketing and whatnot. So I was like, hey, you know, let's let's you know, let me pick your brain a little bit. Let me find out what I could do. And then I just started doing that and building that here. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I went and um, and joined the MBA class at uh, at Wharton for marketing and business. So I could kind of get a foundation of that to understand because I, I had no marketing education or anything like that. I just kind of know what I knew. I, I I would I'd like to think that I'm a, a bit on the creative side. So I just kind of, you know, just started playing around and it, it just it was something that just hit me. And. I just happened to be the same with the technology in the beginning. It's just something that I didn't know that I liked. I tried it out. I liked it. I happened to be good at it. So I just kind of put everything into that. But to me, I just saw an opportunity because in the mortgage industry, there's when it comes down to it, we're all selling the same thing. We're selling the same product. The pricing is somewhat the same. Yes, some, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but we're all doing the same stuff. And so what's going what's gonna to be the differentiator between us and somebody else? And the only way that's going to happen is through marketing. It just and and service and customer experience and so so I just really put my my mind in that read you know met some good people read some books um, podcasts videos everything I could do to try to be a master of my craft and in, in, in the mortgage industry just from the marketing side but again taking my cues from brands outside of the industry because that because because when it comes down to it if I'm if I'm looking at mortgage executive magazine and looking at the vendors and everybody else. Um, and I'm using the same company, I'm using the same marketing systems, I'm using the same everything, there's no advantage to that because then we're all, again, then we're back on the same playing field. We're all doing the same thing. Right. So I just basically looked at what software applications people were using, what marketing systems, who were they using, and I just, I just did that. So like, I don't even, I don't, a lot of the stuff we use here, if I mention it to other, you know, people in the mortgage industry, they have no idea what I'm talking about because their their companies would never even think to use uh, companies like that. Not because I'm so smart. It's just because generally people are just like, okay, well, these are vendors in the mortgage industry. So I'm just going to choose one of them. And that's, I try to avoid that as much as possible. Obviously, there's certain things like a loan origination system and things that I cannot go outside of the industry for. Right. But when it comes to marketing and social media, um, I'm all over systems that are are from, you know, that like Adobe would use or or PayPal or um, Facebook or whatever, you know, I, it, I, I, that's kind of where I'm thinking about. So I started pushing and pushing and, and, and I, you know, and I'm not going to lie, I got pushed back from, you know, the executive team. And this, at this time, I, you know, yes, I was a, a senior manager, but I, I wasn't executive or definitely not C-level like I am now. Uh, but um, I got pushed back, but then they started seeing, okay, well, this is different. This is going to, 
this is going to change stuff. And, and, and then, you know, back then he's like, Oh, social media, I'm never, no one's ever going to buy real estate through social media. No one's ever going to get mortgages through. Yeah. And it's one of those things, right. Which yep. has been proven wrong and wrong and wrong again. Yep. Um, so I was like, you know, let's just try it. So we started our social media program a long time ago, like, you know, uh, probably about five years ago when it comes down to it, but just not nearly at the scale that it is now. But at the time my team wasn't as big and, and everything else, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how that materialized. And then, you know, it's just building upon that success. And now it's been an attractor. We were able to recruit people because of the marketing that we do, because of the social media that we do. We've won awards for it, you know, obviously with the National Mortgage Professional Magazine. I was, uh, you know, recognized twice for that. Um, like I said, we just won an award from the business uh, or the Builders Industry Association in the Bay Area for our social media campaign you know, kind of building upon success in a lot of, a lot of failure, a lot of, you know, trial and error, but you know, just kind of keep going and going and going. And then just trying to see what people aren't doing, seeing where the value is and then just trying it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it it doesn't, but you know, I would say if I had to put a percentage on it, like 80% of the time we've been right. And, and it's, and it's, and it's it's helped with our success. You, you work in a a highly regulated industry and I'm sure that you've had to really talk about, learning something and getting it cold down cold so you didn't screw up talk about some of the challenges yep. you know marketing with social in in the lending industry yeah that was definitely a new world for me for just just basically how it is but luckily i had i had some really good uh, practice because um when i worked at the hedge fund we were uh, regulated by the sec we we're one of the first hedge funds uh, they, they passed the law um, the hedge funds had to be regulated by the sec so we went through that registration process, even though like what we deal with in the mortgage industry is pretty crazy um, and wacky. It is nowhere near as complicated as it was being, re- being, you know, being under SEC control. So luckily I had a lot of practice with that and going through regulations. And, um, but yeah, on the marketing and the message, we have to be careful. I would, would like to say that um, it's all for the better and betterment of the consumer, but it's just not a lot of, it's just a money grab. In my opinion, um, you obviously there's, there's, you always want to do right by the consumers, right? We're a mortgage company. We, we thrive off of relationships, referral business. If we're putting people in bad financial situations or bait and switch on their loan terms and, and stuff like that, we're not going to survive as a mortgage company, as we saw with a lot of companies that went under during, during the crash. Um, so I would like to say that the CFPB uses common sense and the regulations and stuff that they do, but that's just not the case. Um, I believe that we need regulation in our industry. Um, we have a long history of proof that uh, we've had a failure to police ourselves, but we really need the focus on the stuff that hurts the consumers and, and not a lot of the stuff. And, you know, so that's been, that's been the, that's been that fine line with our marketing message of just trying not to be handicapped um, with, with, with uh, the stuff that we could do and stuff we put out there when it comes down to verbiage, right? Like you have to say all this stuff. It's almost like when you're watching the commercials right on TV and the truck is doing like a barrel roll through the air, landing in a pit of fire and then taking off, you know, pulling like a, you know, 20 tons of boulders. And it has to have the disclaimer saying, you know, this is a, you know, not real life. Don't try this at home. And, you know, like legal disclaimers, it's it's the same thing with mortgage, right? It's like, you kind of assume that people know that doing a mortgage is a serious thing. It's a big financial obligation, but you still have to have all the disclaimers and you can't say certain things, um, which is again, understandable in certain circumstances. So the biggest thing is just the lack of common sense with the regulations. And not only that, but the, 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 the non-clarification of rules, 
people like to say, oh, well, you do that, keep clarify a little bit of that. And then it takes the CFPB six months to figure out what they're actually saying so that we understand how we need to do this and, and, and how we do that. And again, we're, we've been a company that have embraced regulations because when it comes down to it, until that goes away, fighting it is just a fool's errand, right? You know, we can complain and kick all we want, but that's the law of the land. So we need to play within those bounds and we will. It, 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 you know, and, it, and sometimes it gets to the point where you're just like, you know what, just, just put, just, we just want to put a flyer out that just says we're a mortgage company and a picture of the house. And then, and then like the 16 sentences of disclaimers that this just doing that isn't a commitment to lend. You know, it's like, it's things like that that just get annoying and, and troublesome. But you know what? Again, it's a lot of land. So we have to, we have to do the best we can. Let's talk about something a little more fun. Let's talk about 2016, where I really, where I met you initially was online. And, it was during, mm-hmm. uh, it was when real estate and the industry of real estate and lending figured out a little bit about Snapchat, right? <laughs> so yep, yep. Yeah, the, um, the real estate snap pack was formed. It was mm-hmm. you and Dustin and Neil and Chelsea and Shannon and Bucky and Michael. And, you know, just a, yep. just a few people just talking about it and connecting through that network. Yeah. It has since developed into quite an operation. Talk, talk about um, the beginnings and where we're at now with that. Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, yes, I've had a, I've had a very, I've had a very blessed life and a tremendous opportunities and a blessed career. But I, I will have to say, I'm probably the most proud of that of the Snap Pack. And and I wasn't even an original member. I came, I think, out of everyone you just mentioned, I was probably the 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 last one or the or or close to the last one that started with when we started actually making it a group and becoming one of the founders. Um, is that, uh, you know, Dustin and, and Alex Wang and Neil and, and, and Bucky Shannon and all them, they were, they were mentioned in a, a Snapchat article for real estate. And this, and if you take it back to 2016, um, I actually was an idiot on Snapchat. I had no idea how to use the app. And I think a lot of people will, cause I get snapped all the time. Like, it's awesome. How'd you learn how to do all this stuff? Like if they could go back and see how terrible I was at using Snapchat <laughs> when I first started. Uh, I'm glad it disappeared. The messages disappear after 24 hours because I just, I, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So, um, but I saw it, I saw Snapchat just getting more and more attention to it, which is all I care about. And uh, so I, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to sit down and figure how to use Snapchat. So I kid you not, I looked at YouTube, <laughs> YouTube videos. Luckily at that time, we also, I hired a, a social media guy to just run social media uh, underneath me. And he, he, he's a millennial, so he, he's all in the Snapchat. He knows how to do everything. So he, he basically trained me on Snapchat. But it, you know, like just with everything else, it's like, if I'm going to put myself into it, I'm putting myself into it. So that's when I started. I, I, I went through and followed every single Snapchat real estate person I could find, uh, watched their content, saw what they did. But also at the same time, I didn't just stick with the industry. I went and followed every Snapchat influencer um that i could find um there's a there's a, a snapchat guy influencer he, he speaks around the world he's actually become a good friend of mine his name's carlos gill um he took a lot of time out to tr- uh, to help me learn snapchat and give me advice and really mentor me around so i really appreciate appreciate that from him um, but again same thing just finding people that were good at it seeing what they're doing reverse engineer the process and and see how see how i could do it again and then at that time for mortgage nobody was doing snapchat uh, I mean, maybe you had a few loan officers here and there that had Snapchat, but nobody was doing it on any type of big level, and they especially were not doing it at a corporate level. And then here, I'm thinking, oh wow, Snapchat is getting a ton of attention. Uh, no other mortgage companies are doing it, at least not on an enterprise level. And the fact that millennial buyers are going to make up 30 to 35 percent of buyers coming up pretty soon, 
So I'm like, huh, okay, well, let's try it. Let's do it from an enterprise level. Let's get into it. So I just start doing that, making relationships, um, understanding geo filters, the whole deal. Um, and that's how I got connected with Dustin and Neil and everybody else. And, uh, and then um, it was actually at Inman, San Francisco um, last year to where, you know, I was pretty well connected. People knew me. I started, I, I did my own brand, which was basically the real estate, real estate CIO. My story was basically showing people the behind the scenes of a mortgage company. Um, and then, at, you know, last year I, I was a C-level executive. So I was like, hey, I guarantee you, you're going to find no other mortgage level, <laughs> you know, no mortgage executive on Snapchat. So I'll give you behind the scenes, all the marketing that I'm doing, because it does translate to real estate as well. So I, just, I started getting a lot of real estate followers that culminated at Inman uh, Connect in San Francisco, met some people. And then that is when Dustin said, hey, let's do a mastermind in Park City, Utah. Let's get the snap pack um, and we'll, we'll all mastermind and do all that stuff. And, and um, you know, we'll get together and see what happens. So we did that. He had already created a snap pack Facebook group. It only had maybe like 150 people you know, somewhere around there, very few people in it. Um, and so what we did is we just, we started, you know, we started getting in the group, putting the content, we did the mastermind uh, in October. So basically a little bit over a year ago. And then it, it just, it just took off. We, and, and, and lo and behold, what was funny is that we really, cause we had been connected on Snapchat since, you know, probably around April or May of 2016, but we had never met or anything like that. Um, Chelsea was the first one that I actually met in real life, which was at Inman Connect. Um, but we just all when we all met together in Park City, it just it's we just all connected. And and, you know, with Snapchat, the beauty of, of the platform is that you really have to be authentic. And so, you know, we the, everyone was their authentic selves. And we did a, a live um, from from Park City. Uh, we did the group again. We had about at that time had about maybe 500 members. Um, and then, and then we, you know, we just got a lot of, you know, we got, you know, articles written about us in Housing Wire and Inman about what we we're doing with Snapchat and real estate and everything else. We had people like you mentioned, Michael Meyer, good friend of mine. Uh, same with that. Then you have uh, Kayla and Jason of JK Realty in, in Arizona. So just really building this network. And so we started building out the Snapchat. And, uh, and then, you know, from there, that's, that, you know, we just started getting realtor after realtor after realtor coming in. It, it again started off with Snapchat, but then it kind of went into more social media and then modern marketing and technology because each one of us had a special gift, you know, Chelsea. And then Shannon and Dustin are actually the only two um, licensed real estate professionals of the founders. Um, and then Neil, of course, uh, with, you know, him and Onion Juice. But, uh, uh, and then Bucky's a commercial real estate agent, you know, Chelsea's in title, and then I'm in mortgage. So we thought it was like, oh, it's a really good connection of, 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 of people. And so we just started attracting, you know, more agents with so you know, our message was getting out. We were, you know, we were not like the other real estate groups. It's not for realtors to come in and talk about, oh, you know, this inspection went bad and all this stuff. All we want to concentrate on is how we can help each other build each other's businesses. Competitors or not, it doesn't matter. You come into this group. It's about crowdsourcing ideas to grow our business, no matter what. And so that's all we talk about is marketing, social media whatever um since then we've we're, we're just a little bit under 2500 people in the snap pack we just had our second annual retreat where we actually had 20 some people pay we actually they actually paid you know with air you know they paid for a ticket they paid for airfare they paid for their accommodations they actually paid to come hang out with us for a weekend to mastermind and go over stuff and we just we just thought you know we just ended that this weekend as as you saw 
um, you know, on social media and stuff. And, uh, it, you know, we, we were getting all these messages, like emotional messages about how much we've helped their careers, how much they've put what we've said into play and, it, and it, 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 they're doing business the right way. And so it really, it's an it's emotional thing where it's funny that, you know, we're having this conversation today because I was actually just talking to Dustin about an hour ago and are actually talking to Dustin and Chelsea and, and Shannon and some of the messages we've gotten, it's, it's an emotional thing. It's, it's, it's great. You know, it's great to, you know, in the snap pack, it's, it's free. We don't charge anything. It's, it's not like we're paying, you know, we're not advertising coaching programs or anything like that. It's just, it's just what we do. Right. And um, it's just, it's an emotional thing to hear someone that, that get, to get emotional when they're telling you like just how much that you've helped their business. And it's like, it just, it just, it just validates that what we're doing, the time we're putting in to help people and that we actually are adding value that we're not just, you know, a bunch of, you know, idiots just talking about it and hopefully stuff works, you know, it's just, it, it actually validates that we're, we're helping people. And, and so that's why I'm really proud of not only that, but just this weekend, I, I mean, all these people are friends. You know, they're not just like, okay, well, they're in the group, but these are like real friends that any one of them, like any one of them, if they came to town, go out to dinner, hang out, whatever. And I know if I went to their areas, they, you know, I've, I've had it where people pick me up at the airport and stuff like that, just because of the, just because of the relationships. And so that's what I'm proud of. I really am. I'm proud of the most of, of how the snap packs come. I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm proud to be, you know, I'm blessed to be with just such great people that are of like mind understand where this industry is going like it or not whether you hate Diller or, or any other thing about the industry is that understanding that change is happening and if the more you fight change the more you're going to be less prepared for it yeah and everyone understands that every one of the agents in the group everyone that came this weekend we were all we were all paddling in the same direction and and to me how I look at it is because if I'm looking back to you know 95 to now and the progress of just you know the new era of cons uh, consumerism, the new economy, um, and how things are—it's um, just—it's just amazing that people are still fighting this stuff in, in this day and age. And so, to have people that are like-minded that know where this industry is going, they're going to be the better for it. So even if they're not like top producing right now, but still doing deals, those people that are going to be late to the—you know—way late to the party. You now these people, I'm just—I'm excited to see the progress. I'm excited to see these people reach their goals. And, and I think, and I'm, and having a part of someone uh, being just, just having any, even if it's just a little bit, if it's, it's if it's having any part of someone having a better life based off of stuff that we're doing there, there's just no, there's no better feeling feeling than that. And it's, just, it, it's kind of hard to articulate. You always have these people and I know you've had them in the group. Yeah. yeah but what's the ROI and how yeah. am I going to make money? And there's those people out there and, and I, I kind of think I know where you're going to go with the answer, but I'd love for the audience to hear, you know, um, your response to those people. Yeah, yeah and it's tough. It, well, no, and it's a valid question, right? You always, anything that you're doing in business, you're here to make money, right? Like we try to make money the right way as opposed to how much money we can make. And you're going to hear me say these things. And, and, and for those of your audience that listen to Gary Vee, I'm a big Gary Vee guy. It's not that I'm copying his content. It's just I haven't found a better way to articulate it than he has. And so when it comes to ROI, he says this thing like, what's the ROI of your mom, right? Yep. And he's not trying to be mean about it. He's just saying, like, really, look at everything in your life. Can you put an ROI on anything? Like, basically, if you're getting back to the, you know, to the basically brass tacks of ROI, and you, and you just can't. And social media is a long game. It's, uh, it's something that I say a lot, and uh, my good friend Katie Lance says a lot, which is, it's a marathon, 
not a sprint. You're not going to get immediate ROI off of this stuff. It's branding. It's like, you know, how do you know when you're doing anything like, let's say a billboard or a magazine, what is the ROI of that? Like how many times, and this is where it gets crazy is because like, you need to think like a consumer and not like a real estate agent or a loan officer when you're doing your marketing. I ask them, how many billboards do you look at? I don't look at any of them, but yet you want to pay money for billboards because that's just something that people do. I mean, it's, it's, it's that type of thing. What, and you, you can't tell how many people look at your billboard, right? Yep. So you don't, what's the ROI on that? Unless they call that number and you have a lead system, which hardly anyone ever has, that you just get a phone call. And then, and then sometimes they don't even ask where they, how, how did you find me? You know? So um, for, for social media, the ROI is you'll know it. It's, and again, you know, you may have to, you may have to edit this out uh, in case it's, this is not suitable for, <laughs> for your audience, but it's, it's like, what's that famous phrase for, for porn, right? You know it when you see it. And that's kind of how I say, for ROI, you know it when you see it. You know that my business is better. You know that Facebook, you're getting engagement, you're getting shares, you're getting leads, you're doing all that stuff. You you know it, but you can't put like straight dollar for dollar and how much sweat equity you put in it and how much how much uh, time you know sweat equity I mean by like time and effort into doing the stuff online for brand recognition, right? And then you have you could have like ROI knowing that hey I did a lead ad on Facebook, I spent 150 bucks, ended up getting two leads that I converted into deals for like a listing or a buyer or whatever. So there's that ROI, right? But people, and this is the perfect to kind of the segue from the Snap Hack and, and Snapchat, but Tim was like, how do I know the ROI of Snapchat? Why would you even do that? You'll never get any loans off Snapchat. You know, I had that told to me over and over again, even our CEO, you know, um, she's like, how are we going to get loans from Snapchat? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea, but I know it's attention. I know people get it and I know it'll work. I can't tell you how it is. I can't give you the ROI. I can't tell you how much we're going to spend, but trust me, it will work. And so the example I use when people always ask me about ROI or ask me about how you get deals from Snapchat is I said, look, is that uh, Snapchat demographic, the main, main percentage of it is uh, ages 13 through 33. Okay. And so when then people hear that, they're like, even more so they're like, okay, well, how are you going to get loans and do stuff from that? And then, and then I give an example. So example in, in Snapchat, they have these things called geo filters. They could do on-demand geo filters, which basically allows you to do a graphic overlay within the Snapchat app. So when you take a picture or a video, you could swipe, you know, for those of you that use Snapchat, you know, you swipe, swipe one way or another and you get these little graphic or overlays like, like in the city that you live or, or Starbucks or something like that. So I did a geo filter. Um, over a local festival and for two days cost me 40 bucks basically 24 7 geo filter over a festival local um, i love telling the story because then people go oh okay i get it now right so everyone's like well kids are using that i'm like yeah but how many how many of you raise your hand if you have snapchat because you're kids and a lot of parents will raise their hands it's because yeah because i'm watching my child on social media okay so the way that we got a loan was and then we've gotten other loans from this but i ran a geo filter at the festival, kid was using Snapchat, snapped a couple things, used our geo filter because I don't design it like a mortgage company. I designed it like a cool graphical geo filter that people are going to use, but with Mason McDuffie Mortgage on it with our branding. And so a kid used it. Dad saw it because the dad's following his kid on Snapchat. At that time, he's like, you know, he's been thinking about getting a refi, saw the Mason McDuffie Mortgage, thought it was kind of cool that we did that. So we put in a request on our website. We got it. Um, he said, Hey, I saw your geo filter at um, Santa Mel. And I, cause I, I actually wanted to talk to the guy to figure out how this actually worked for Snapchat. 
So I found out that he's one of those helicopter parents, you know, watching it, watching his kids as they should on social media. And, and it, yeah, we ended up doing his loan for him or as refi. And so, um, so the, so the, the ROI was fantastic, you know, on that when you compare it to $40 compared to how much revenue, not only that the loan officer made that I gave the lead to, but how much we made from, um, you know, from, a, from a company standpoint for a $40 geo filter. Right. So you can't always see ROI in the beginning. You just have to go off gut feeling. And so, like I said, you know, 80%, I think I've been right, but 20% I've been wrong and, and sometimes horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> but, but that's life. You know, you, you learn from your failures, you learn from what you do here, you learn from what you do there and you just try to make the best decision. And so for anyone that, if, for, if anyone is still having that art and I'm, and I'm going to be a hundred percent blunt, and this is why sometimes people either love me or they hate me. There's usually <laughs> no in between, but if you're still asking for statistics, if you're still asking about ROI and anything else on social media, you've lost. You've absolutely lost. I'm sorry, but the war, the battle has been fought. Everything else lost. Social media won, whether you hate it or like it. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things about social media that I can't stand. But guess what? I don't care. I'm in a business to, to grab attention and try to get business from these people. Um, again, doing it the right way. So if it, if it was my space or if, let's say, the best ROI or attention grabber was, um, you know, sign banners and the, you know, air, you know, you know, airplane banners and stuff, then I, that's where I'm putting my attention. I, I don't really care about anything else. So if you're still trying to figure out what's the ROI of social media, that's where everybody is. I'm sorry, but that's where everybody is, whether you like it or hate it, there, there should be no argument in that. It, it just shouldn't. It, it's just like, it's, it's the same argument that had, I mean, and I did this, I did actually an article post about this stuff when about famous quotes from people when they were talking about, radio, you know, radio owners and executives saying how TVs would never catch on, right? Or how the motor car would never be better than horses and stuff like that. It happens every time there's a new innovation that is grabbing people's attention. Electricity, the telegraph, every, every single thing. And it's so funny because we have this, we have this huge history, just huge history that we can learn from to see that every time one of these things comes wrong, nine times out of 10, the, the, everyone's opinion of these things are wrong, right? So that it's a good percentage to be wrong. I'd be wrong 1%, right? Sure. Who wouldn't, you know, just, just, just to be right and capitalize on the other 9% tri- 9% of the tries. So, um, so, so if you're still thinking about ROI and social media, it, just don't, I, I'm not saying that you, you, you can never, you know, be successful. At it. I'm just saying right now, if you're listening to this right now, if you're still thinking about that, don't stop and start doing if you're not if you're still if you still need to be convinced then then you're not going to survive i'm sorry but you just won't your business is not going to do well because this is where everyone's attention is and this is how you're going to reach them now could facebook go away and die a horrible death tomorrow yes but guess what there'll be another facebook there'll be something else and if you're not in on this one you're not going to be prepared to jump in on the next one yeah i think because social selling is going to be a thing for a long time Yep. So no matter what is here today, I'm going to capitalize on that. When it moves to the next one, I'll be well positioned to capitalize on the next one. And that's all I care about. Jason, I've had you way over the half hour I asked you. So I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you the same final question I have asked every guest on the podcast. If you could give one piece of advice to an agent just getting started in the business today, what would it be? Uh, get on snap. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> if I had one, actually the, the piece of advice that I'm going to give has nothing to do with social media. If you're a new agent, just getting started, the most important thing that you could absolutely do is start 
maintain and control a database. That is that is where you're going to make your money. It, see that that's the foundation. Social media is just is just a conduit to getting business. But to get that business and to retain it, we're in a relationship business. We're in a referral based business. So if you want to be successful, start a database. I don't care if it's. I would recommend a CRM. And people will say, okay, you see it in the Facebook groups all the time. What is the best CRM? The, the answer to this, the best CRM is the one that you're going to use. So if that's a spreadsheet, then that's the best CRM. Anyone else that tells you different is lying or doesn't know anything, okay? The best thing you can do is keep a, da a database. And, the, and, and any CRM is going to be okay. There's going to be good. There's going to be bad. But the best CRM is the one that you will actually use. Because if you look at any top producer, they have a huge database. But even then, even the top producers that do deals after deals after deals, they'll have... Um, it's funny because we we're just talking about this and you know at our, our mastermind this weekend they'll have stuff written on like paper plates and napkins and stuff like that and then it gets messy and if you really really want to be successful in this business start a database spreadsheet or whatever uh, and and keep control over it don't hand it over to any company or anything else you keep control over it you own it and you keep it updated because those are where you're going to get your business from. And then you can market to them via social media, uh, sending out flyers, direct mail, door hangers, all the traditional stuff, all the modern stuff. It doesn't matter, but keep that database. That's the biggest mistake that I see agents make now when I'm looking back is that they're all, oh, you know, I had this database or, or I had all these people. I wish I would have written them down. It's like, man, that's just money. That's just money that you're throwing away. So if I could give one piece of advice that I, that I would pray that every single person not just real estate agents, but also loan officers as well. When you start in this business, keep and maintain and control your database. Jason, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, I'm basically um, at Real Estate CIO everywhere. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, I would say my business Facebook page, um, which again, if you just if you just Google, uh, either, either Google the Real Estate CIO or Frazier, the Real Estate CIO, you'll find my links to everything. But uh, but yeah, like LinkedIn, real estate CIO, Facebook, real estate CIO, um, uh, Facebook, you know, send me a message on Facebook or send me a message on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, if anyone has any questions or anything, I'd be, always be happy to help or join the Snapback uh, Facebook group and uh, you'll see me uh, posting and commenting in there uh, pretty much every day. Jason, thank you very much for your time today. Really great information, especially the part about the Warriors. I can't tell you how excited <laughs> <laughs> to know that you're not a Warriors fan. But no, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for your time. I re really appreciate it. Bill, thank you very much for having me on. I, I, I appreciate it. And I'm just uh, very happy to be here and, and, and talk to you.